Hello, 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 and welcome to Mixed Emotions Podcast. I'm Ann McCormack. And I'm James McCormack. Yo, what's going on? How are you, baby? I'm good. You look great. Do I look great? Yes, your skin is glowing despite the fact that it is snowing outside. It is snowing. We've got our first frost coming. You look amazing. Do I? Yeah, what's new? Um, well, I have been in these streets. Oh, one of those lady of the night. I'm a, now a lady of the evening. <laughs> uh, I've just been busy. Um, I went to San Francisco to visit Caroline, which was oh. awesome. And did some hiking, did some camping. I was clearing my mind and preparing for this amazing show that I um, just wrapped up at Ars Nova. Oh, cool. Yeah, called uh, Oratorio for Living Things. It's It was really, really a beautiful experience working on the show, working with Heather Christian, who's an amazing composer, mm-hmm. and just this brilliant, brilliant cast. Um, so now we did our first presentation yesterday, and I'm still like, I feel... I feel like I'm... The creative energy Yeah, flowing. yeah, that creative juice, that creative energy, as you just said. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to keep auditioning. I have yes. a gig next week at Lincoln Center. Um, mm-hmm. It's your Je- annual. With the Jazz Lincoln Center Orchestra. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm doing that in like, I start rehearsals in a couple of days. I'm super excited about that. So you're on the grind. I am on good the grind. Way. Yes, I'm on the grind in a good way. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Feels good. How you. about you? How are you doing? Um, I'm good. I'm doing really great. Uh and and that didn't sound sincere, but I meant it sincerely. Um <laughs> You look I, great too. Thank you. Your you know, skin is glowing. Thank you. So I am on a month and just about a half of no drinking. You know, it was it was uh sober October just so I could Clear my head, kind mm-hmm. of uh, avoid some seasonal depression for a while and uh, get my head clear so I could focus on the things that I needed to get done. You know, auditioning, saving up for new headshots and just, uh, you know, mentally feeling good. And I want to keep that going. So and I, I feel like I've gotten a lot of clarity in the yeah, last month and a half. That's great. And since I've chosen to do that and put my you know, health first, mm-hmm. the opportunities that I've been looking for have started to come to fruition. You know, like auditions have picked up more creative opportunities. Have Isn't that amazing how that happens? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Same thing. Once you remove those blockages, the mm-hmm. light can just shine on through. Yeah. Huh? I've been mm-hmm. doing a lot of readings. There have been a lot of cool networking opportunities and I got the new headshots and I'm very happy about them. You know, They look great. Yeah. You know, I think it was time for me to invest in something like a good substantial headshot because the last one that I had I got right out of school and if if it if I can compare it to anything <laughs> it looks like you know Felicia from Friday when she's like you know Craig can I borrow your car it looked like someone had taken this a still from that movie of her <laughs> just like you know dead behind the eyes like <laughs> Ex- expressionless, you know, but I needed something. But on a mission. <laughs> on a mission to, to book those gigs. I was like, Craig, can I get this acting job? Can, that's, I, that's can I borrow Can I borrow your SAG after car real I, quick? Can I, can I get that union car real quick? Thank you. That's Craig. That's what, that's what I look like in my headshot. So now that I have one where I look like a three-dimensional human being who's they, not going to rob you on the street. You know, I had a, I had a business of acting class. Yeah. And my my teacher, I can't remember his name. He 
had went one by one through everyone's headshots and gave first impressions. And he was like, he was like, it's how I, he's this old school guy, like 75. And, you know, he would tell why us, is he, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but if you're 75, <laughs> why? What do you know about the business <laughs> of acting? In 2019, <laughs> why the I hell? Don't know why do that? These what, conservatories. Well, honestly, it's about the coin. Right. And they, yeah. and he probably was successful back mm-hmm. in the days of <laughs> free Bogart. Yes, yeah. Probably. But, you no, know, like you need to have people who are working now yeah. doing the bu- the business changes all of the time. Right. It's constantly changing, so you can't have someone who like has this antiquated way yeah. who's out of touch. Anyways, he continue. Was, he was like, well, two things. He was like, oh yeah, you know, I I when I was an agent, I sat down and I had a meeting with Alan Cummings, and you know, I was like, oh, I can't represent this guy. He's too flamboyant he's too out there and oh, not, now it's, he's like and look at it on coming now yada 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 and he's like Ew, so what do i know I hate that shit but yeah, what uh, do i know and you're paying him <laughs> yeah to well, give you advice that was that was part of you know oh school. that was part of that okay but uh he got to my head you're still paying for school exactly he got to my headshot and he was like, you know, I can see you. You know, you're you're an interesting looking guy. But he's like, but this looks like a mug shot. And I was like, <laughs> he's like, this your headshot looks like a mug shot. And I was like, it. And do I? Are there levels to this? There Is this are racist? Levels. There are levels <laughs> like, to that. I was like, there's three other black people in this class, and we all looked at each other like, <laughs> hey, do we? Do we beat his ass? <laughs> then, you, then you'll get a real mugshot <laughs> if you like, beat his ass. You wanna, yeah. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, no. Was he a older white gentleman? Uh, of, of course. <laughs> then there are of levels to that. He was, yeah. That's funny. And, and the, Not funny. It's the last, terrible. The last week of class, he was like, okay, so we're going to do mock agent interviews. And what the format was, we were going to go sit in front of the whole class with him and sit down and present ourselves as if we were doing it. And I was like, nope. <laughs> got to go to the last week of class and stop showing up. Because I was like, this feels not uh, right. It didn't feel organic. Do you, do you know what I mean? It didn't, it didn't feel like it was conducive to any kind of real environment. That That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. He was just wasting time because yeah, he didn't know what to do exactly and i was like you know what i'm not gonna there's no way i'm gonna embarrass myself my, no. ew so. ew do you know how many classes i've been in with so-called industry insiders who like you're just they're literally just taking your money mm-hmm. and you're wasting wasting time. your time they're yeah, wasting absolutely because they're yeah. just they don't know what to do they're like because as we all know in any industry it's about connection right it's yeah. about who you connect yourself with it's about building that connection and then you go down that stream with that person or those people or you create that community. It's right. not about like meeting some random stranger and like being fake and you know, people can smell that a mile smell away. bullshit a yeah. mile away. So it's like the interpersonal Yeah, it's interpersonal connection. Exactly. So right. like sitting down and having like some kind of bullshit like mock interview. Right. What is that do gonna you, do? Do you think Francis McDormand sat down in front of a agent and was like Hey, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she was. Being, she made her own work, and she also, right. and she's also, isn't she married to one of the Cohen brothers? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she found her community, and she found, you know, her husband's. What a, makes her happy? 
was yeah. all her authentic self. Her authentic self. She's she gets to make really amazing weird art, and she found a partner who also makes really amazing right. weird art, and they collaborate. Yeah, and she she plays, you know, staunch oh, staunch uh, women with flaws and unforgivable traits and like most women like that's most that's not even women that's most people you know most people are are staunch and flawed yeah so i don't know how we got down this this wormhole but i love it i love it too so (laughs) let's uh talk about our mixed emotion what is it james oh oh you you need to be like that that. so our mixed emotion today is we wanted to discuss why in art, specifically in film and TV and in theater, why some plays and some of the canon is constantly produced over and over again and why we're, we're doing the same kind of work like Shakespeare and, you know. That's David. our mixed emotion for today? Oh, oh, you... What what I thought our mixed emotion was the the Dahmer 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 that you oh, are working on. Yeah. Oh yes. But, yes. I mean, yeah. I thought we were going to do that and then connect it to classism and highbrow I, versus lowbrow art. Oh, I would love to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do that. So Dahmer Dahmer Dahmer. Okay. Is a one man show that I started to write, mm-hmm. and it basically the way the idea that I had was, you know, I seen a lot of media portrayals of like the Jeffrey Dahmer saga. So explain your connection to Jeffrey Dahmer. So we grew up in Milwaukee. That sounds really weird. <laughs> we, we grew up in <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer and I <laughs> oh, we uh, have oh, a history. <laughs> oh, okay. No, we're, we're from Milwaukee. We're from Milwaukee, yeah. And as we all know, <laughs> nobody makes a serial, serial killer like Wisconsin. You know, we, we make them homegrown and, and strong. Raised to, to do the best. I don't, I don't know, uh, but <laughs> Josh is laughing over here. But it's true. We we do like we're, we're known Why for do we cheese, do? beer, cold winters, and murderers. So <laughs> you know. and Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh God, it's true. happens to be one of the more infamous ones. But specifically, he's from Milwaukee. Milwaukee. He's from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I. We grew up basically in between the two places where he got his footing in, in uh, becoming the serial, serial killer that we know today. Like he used to murder people up at his grandmother's house in West Dallas, Wisconsin. And he used to murder people in a now torn down apartment building uh, in, I think on the south side, north side of Milwaukee. It was really close to uh, high school, the arts. Yes. So that's, mm, that's east side. The east side of Milwaukee, yeah. But I mean, that apartment building is torn down now. So I thank God. My idea, and and as a kid, you know, I remember hearing hush hush and peripherally about Jeffrey Dahmer, but I was too young to really get a grasp of the horror and you know the things that he had done to these young men and to people, uh, young gay men of color specifically, until I was an adult, and you know I watched documentaries or you know recreations of it or was able to read a wikipedia and articles about who he was and the horrible things that he did and one thing i noticed was this kind of bias with the storytelling it was there was no emphasis on hit the victims there was no information on who they were as people you know and as individuals as living 
breathing, you know, society or members, members of society with families and a background mm-hmm. and lives that they lived. Right. And I think that was specifically because they were of a particularly vulnerable group. Yeah. They weren't, they were predominantly black mm-hmm. and people of color, mm-hmm. but they were also queer. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine. And, and young. And young. They were aged uh, 14 through 32. Mm-hmm. And I think his victims are about like 30 of them or something, something insane. Was it really 30 Yeah, people? it was like 30. And that's only the people that they can account for. Oh, my God. Because a lot of these people had lost connection to their family and their communities, you know. They were isolated. So, you know, I was trying to find source material to kind of do a piece on Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, not specifically him, but just to kind of get context. And the only stuff I could find was like, there's a movie from Jeremy Renner's career early on when he was probably like 22 or something. And it was kind of a independent film. And it was so, it was so salacious, but in the sense that it was trying to romanticize and it was like, Oh, look how sexy. And like, you know, this normal guy, look, these horrible things he was doing, you know, uh, to, to these people, there was no humanization of the the characters. It was more like, how can this normal white boy be so grotesque and do these things? And oh, how did he go wrong? Yeah. And I there's another movie that came out like four years ago, and it was like my called My Friend Dahmer, and it was about Jeffrey Dahmer's early years and like the psychopathic tendencies he had, like killing animals, all the way up to his first victim, who's. Uh, friend of his from high school that he murdered and hit his body. So what is your piece about? So my piece, which is called Dahmer, 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 is from the perspective of this character that's kind of an amalgamation of source material and just uh, realistic, you know, fiction that I pulled from my own experience as a queer man of color. And combining them into one character who is stuck in this kind of liminal space on stage trying to tell his story. Mm. But the you're, the audience from the title, you're drawn in thinking it's going to be another story about all the horrible things, you know, the, the kind of uh, hoopla, like the, you know, Jer- Jeffrey Dahmer used acid and made zombies. And, you know, that that's what... That's what we think of when we think of Jeffrey Dahmer. We think of these inhumane things that he did. We don't think of the victims. So you're drawn in by the idea of Jeffrey Dahmer, but then throughout the course of the play, you just get to know this individual, this kid who had a life and had dreams and was, you know, had talent and loved people and had a family and had a complicated history. And through you know, spending a half hour, an hour on stage with this character, you get a sense of the horror of what he did to someone who just wanted to be loved. Yeah. So that that was my idea for Dahmer, Dahmer, Dahmer. It was giving a voice to these characters who I identified with from my early 20s. You know, I look back at that time where I felt very shiftless and alone and lost in my early days, you know, uh, in Milwaukee, as when I had only been out for a couple of years, not feeling like I was a part of really any community because, you know, the gay community I felt isolated by because there's his own inherent racism and not being able to find my place and kind of feeling like I was on the fringe 
And so, and you could have easily sometimes when had, you're on the when you're on the fringe, you can easily be a target. Yeah, to and, people who, and that's what happened to those, those young, young men. And I'm only, if you think about it realistically, 15 years removed from having been going to the same places that Jeffrey Dahmer would have been going to to find his his victims. So it's just this is my way of connecting to that shared trauma and history and acknowledging that these people weren't here they were here right you know so that that, that's what i'm working on that's phenomenal i love 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 it i think it's a wonderful idea fabulous concept i can't wait to see it um where would you like to present the work uh let let me reframe that question um if you had your dream scenario, where would you like, what would you like to see happen with this piece of art? Well, initially, my idea for it was to have it be a piece that was about, uh, so in, in this revised history, the apartment building didn't get torn down. And this white millennial girl who is moving into a gentrified part of Milwaukee. She is a uh, generational psychic, but she doesn't know it yet. And so she <laughs> this is taking a turn. She moves into this apartment building and moves into this apartment where it used to be Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment and as a ghost. And so she has to reconcile with her white privilege through helping this ghost reconnect with his family and find peace. I love that. <laughs> I really love that. I, I, it turned into this. It turned into a one-man show because I didn't want the story to become about this white girl finding redemption through, through you know, I didn't want it to become the I help, mean, it, but with spooky, <laughs> spooky-ass gay shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you, do you, do you, I don't want it to turn into... Do you know what I mean? Yes, I know what you mean. That's hilarious. And 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 also I want to, you know, like I I want I wanted to be about this character. I didn't want it yeah. to be like. But what you could do is it still could have that like you know that paranormal uh, element to it, and it was gonna be funny. And this and this part can be like it can be a few acts, or maybe he he has like moments where he steps out, and it's yeah. just him. It's like more of like soliloquy. Right. You know what I mean? Or monologue. So we'll see what you know becomes of it. I I hate to, you know, it's like I got into the the workflow and the creative juices were flowing and it was really easy and it was coming down and that that's happens. Like, awesome. And then two days later, I sat down and I was like, okay, nothing. You know, trying to find. So you know, I was talking to my friend who's a playwright and she was like, you should try to get into, I mean, if you can, get into like a class and set a deadline. So, you know. Start talking to some of these off off Broadway festivals and see if you can, you know, get anything, you know, set a deadline or set a meeting so you have something to come with. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to. I think you got to think bigger than that. Yeah. You got to think bigger than some fringe festival. You got to think like, and I don't mean the actual fringe festival, I mean like other, like these smaller things. I think you, you have a really amazing concept that's very specific to you that can be, um, and of course I'm thinking like money wise, it can be monetized too. You know, if a if theater companies pick it up, especially Midwestern theater companies. Yeah. And you know, I don't want to get 
I don't want to talk about the psychology of Jeffrey Dahmer because we all know that he was a, a sociopath, psychopath, all the paths. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah, all yeah. know that. But I think that giving a voice to these young gay men of color, it's like that's. I remember being a kid, and I remember it more than you because I'm four years older than you. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching TV, and because we have family members that are involved in law enforcement, so we were sitting in the living room at Aunt Tippy's house and watching TV and the parents were just like glued to the TV because this was like the craziest thing that had mm-hmm. happened. It was the craziest thing happening in the country at the mm-hmm. time. And I just remember them going into the apartment complex and coming out with these huge like... Gurneys and stuff, right? No. F- metal metal um refrigerators oh right wheeling them out yeah with all of like the body parts and everything Mm, and i just nuts i remember like i remember this as like a however eight eight years old eight nine years old Mm -hmm. seeing like cops that were not too far from where we were at the time like maybe two miles down the road wheeling body parts out of you know what i mean so like this is seared in my memory this is seared in my mind so um yeah i just i think it's important because it's not it hasn't been that long i think it's important for you to tell the story these people with their their family we would see their family all the time we used to see the family out and about yeah you know and i just yeah so good thanks i'm excited for you but we i know you kind of wanted to discuss uh that within the context of like what what stories are being told yeah i mean i feel like we're in this time right now where i'm like you know this always happens they always do like revivals and there's always like Like, (laughs) how can we make this contemporary right so there's a revival right now of um uh west side story what's his name ivan van ho ivo ivo evan ivan ivo van ho I don't know. He's a director. We have to like do <laughs> some research on that because I don't know. He's like Dutch or something. I think. I, he's from Belgium, I believe. Okay. Um, they're doing a revival of West Side Story um, on Broadway right now. And I'm actually really curious to see that production. I, mm-hmm. I want to see it. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, they're not. This is the first time they're going to have new choreography and new uh, like they've gotten f- like full creative license with it. How how did the um how did the Jerome Robbins estate allow them to do that? I don't know. I know the person who's direct who's um choreographing it is a fabulous choreographer. Uh, I think her name is it's uh, Anna Teresa de Kurzmacher, and I saw a production that she had choreographed in Paris. This is, I mean, I was pregnant with Oscar at the time. I remember seeing it um mm-hmm. at Châtelet. And she's like, she has this piece, very famous piece called Roses Dances Roses. It's like so stirring mm. and gorgeous. So I'm, I, I'm curious to see like what she that's going to be. Might have, she might be married to or in a partnership with Ivo. I think his name is Ivo. We have to get his name Ivo. right. Ivan Van Ho, I think it is. Something like that. But uh, <laughs> what, how do I feel about it? Yeah. The way that I, f- I, you know, I, for all I know, could have something new to say. This new interpretation could mm-hmm. be groundbreaking, and you know, be able to have a commentary on conte- contemporary issues that we're dealing with as a society, or you know. So you aren't opposed to revivals. That's what I'm trying to establish. Uh, 
I'm not completely opposed. No, mm-hmm. but I I think specifically with musicals that it's so tired right now that, um, that that medium of storytelling is so tired, and the revivals that are coming out, most of them don't have anything new to tell. You know, within, why do you think that is? Because why do you think they keep reviving them? Money. Money. Yeah. Yeah. It's money. Uh, tourism mm-hmm. and knowing that this beast of American musical theater it's a trickle down effect so mm. when when they're bringing back Hello Dolly or yeah. My Fair Lady here mm-hmm. it's going to trickle down to the regional yep. theaters yep. which is going to create more jobs for the status quo and you're absolutely going, correct right. you're absolutely correct that's what happens because if or West Side Story is also being made into a movie yeah. Right now. Yeah. You know, and I think Spielberg uh, is directing that. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Which I'll probably probably see. Yeah, I'll see it too. But then I question that because I'm like, okay, I saw this musical by Kirst, Kristen Childs, who wrote uh, the bubbly black girl, something I can't remember what the full <laughs> name of, but she she did Bella American. Tall Tale, uh-huh. which came out, or Robin and I saw off Broadway like four or five mm-hmm. years ago, and I was like, "This is the best." And I'm not even the biggest fan of musicals, but I was like, "This is the best thing that I have seen." Yeah, you in remember so you telling long. me about it? You said it was really good. It was so good, and, and the same with Fun Home. Oh. You know that the, the, uh, those are some of the the, the two best musicals Oof. I've seen, and I was like, "But you know, Bella, an American Tall Tale, is going to move." To Broadway, there's no doubt about it. The talent in this, you know, it's a diverse cast, it's a diverse, you know, storytelling. It was something new and it was something that could resonate with everybody. And has it moved to Broadway? No, I haven't okay. heard anything. I know that sometimes these things take a long yeah. time with producers and production, but yeah. does it really take five years? You know what no. I mean? It was at it was at MCC or something, somewhere in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And uh basically it was a it was, you know, Kristen Childs taking this uh, idea from the American psyche of like the the this Venus character, this voluptuous black woman who is objectified and has a big giant ass and you know big curvy figure. And it like in in the play, it's it's a bigger you know the or in the musical, it's a plus size woman who's playing Bella, but they put padding on her to give her even a bigger butt. Oh, well, they did that in Venus, the actual Venus suit. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, Susan Laurie Parks. Susan Laurie Parks, her Venus, um, they put padding on her. Right. Yeah. But it's inten- it was intentional. At first you're like, is this going to be offensive? But then you recognize that it's an American tall tale. Yeah. So she's taking this, you know, his- historical fictional figure and empowering her because throughout the play, her ass becomes a magical uh, uh, intergenerational thing that reaches all the way back to <laughs> Africa. And uh, gives her power. She, she's literally bouncing down the Grand, the Grand Canyon with it, <laughs> saving a train full of people at one point. And you're like, and you're just laughing. People are up on their feet. People are crying during it because it's like, you know, she, there's this character called the Liddy, little itty bitty girl from Africa who, uh, you know, is like this mystical figure that comes down sometimes. And it's just, it's, ama- it's amazing. Okay, I can't I'm, wait I'm to see out, it. But why isn't that, like, that's what I mean. Why isn't that? getting produced why is it not why is that not becoming part of the canon yeah i mean yeah what makes something part of a canon and then what makes groundhog day the musical get producing you know for, right. or, or spongebob or 
Pretty Woman or I mean SpongeBob was apparently really good. I had a friend in it. I I didn't I didn't see it. Or Mean Girls or you know I I, I no shade because you know they're they're creating jobs and but I I don't necessarily think that those particular shows are going to be a part of the canon, you know. I think there's something um about creating work and having it withstand the test of time that is very um gratifying as Mm -hmm. an artist but we also have to discuss why certain pieces do withstand the test of time and why you know and i think a lot of that has to do with um um, classism i think a lot of that has to do with um what we define as highbrow art and what we define as lowbrow art and the reason why we continuously are doing Shakespeare, why there are Shakespeare companies, why why there are every summer Shakespeare in the park. It's like, why, 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 you know, Shakespeare. it's like, why? Right. You know, like Shakespeare. Yes. There's some brilliance in Shakespeare, but why are we forced? Why are we forced to do this every year? Like he, he, Shakespeare's great. We all know that there's a lot of brilliance in Shakespeare, but why do we have to continuously uphold this white man's fucking right. place <laughs> every like year? Shakespeare in the it's park, like, it's like, and no one questions it. Right. No, there, maybe there was an amazing South African uh, playwright who was writing amazing work at the same time as yeah. Shakespeare. Why aren't we doing that person's work? Yes. I you agree. know, like, so I, I get a little bit like agitated. You were saying it's a status thing. It is about status. It, yeah. It's just like opera is about status. Mm-hmm. It's classism. Right. It's what defines you. Like I went to see this um, movie a couple of uh, months ago called The Last Black Man in, in San Francisco. And it was such a great movie. Mm-hmm. I loved it. But at one point in the middle of the movie, there was a homeless man character who was singing, Oh, mio babino caro. That song from... Um, it's a Puccini aria from uh, Janice Kiki. And I was like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Because the fact that the, someone is singing an aria puts it in the highbrow, regardless yeah. of what's happening. Someone just singing in Italian all of a sudden makes it like something, you know, that's about class. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, and it's like, why? Yeah. No one ever asks why. Mm-hmm. Why is someone singing an Italian aria? seen as something special you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what i mean yes yeah so i mean that's why and just to wrap this up mm-hmm. I mean, that's why i'm putting more i'm more excited about contemporary straight plays yeah. and uh contemporary plays that are coming out like there's more exciting stuff happening yeah and there's more opportunities and for black playwrights and playwrights of color that i've been seeing off broadway and on broadway like jeremy o'harris and uh Who's who, Fairview? Who wrote Fairview? Fairview Tap. <laughs> Fairview Tap. Uh, just uh, all these exciting opportunities to hear new voices and compelling ways of nonlinear ways of storytelling. Yeah, but, it's it's exciting. I'm, we are living in exciting times, but I I will be happy when I don't have to like look at a breakdown uh, and see Shakespeare this, Shakespeare that. Oh, non-traditional see, non-traditional casting. casting for Midsummer Night's Dream. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> why are we even doing this to begin with? Yeah. Anyway, um, so that wraps up our mixed emotion. Mm-hmm. What have you been doing health-wise besides not drinking? Ooh, 
Um, I think our mixed emotion also had mixed media in it. So we don't, it had so much mixed media. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I saw Parasite. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's, go see that movie. It's called Parasite. It's by, you know what? I'm not even going to. But it won the it. Palme d'Or at, uh, at Cannes. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. It's a really cool, subversive commentary on like cl- uh, class warfare. And, uh, you know, it takes place in Korea, but it's, it can 100% resonate with what's going on in uh you know america right now united states but uh, i don't, I don't want to get it's too spoilery to kind of give a breakdown but i would go see it because it's uh i mean it's gonna blow up the word everyone stuff. says it's like incredible so good so cool, yeah. cool. what have i been what, I, what have i been doing health wise mm-hmm. mm, uh, nothing new other than that that charcoal uh toothpaste that i was talking about the last time which i had to cut back on because i looked it up and you're not supposed to be using it as much as I was using it because <laughs> you have this stuff called enamel, which can be worn away. I was like, oh, how come my silver fillings are, are looking so shiny? It's because they were getting scraped at. Oh, no. <laughs> Nicht good. Nicht good. Um, how about you? Um, You know, I've just been so busy that I, oh, gosh, I haven't been doing anything health-wise other than running. Yeah. Like, I just oh, continuous. Yeah, but I need to, like... I need to be drinking more water. So this time of year, especially this time of year, it's dry, dry heat being pumped into your apartment. Oh my god, especially mine. Yeah. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it's uh, Bikram yoga in my, <laughs> in my apartment. It, is, it really, it's, it really is. It's not good. All right, so that wraps up our episode of Mixed Emotions. Be sure to follow us on all platforms. And all right, bye. bye.